Welcome to the Lens Podcast, where we talk about current events, news, family, church, and life from a biblical worldview. We want to help people think about these things through the lens of the Bible. I'm your producer, David Wiseman, and here are your hosts, Brian and Brian. Hey, welcome to the Lens Podcast today. My name is Brian Hansen. And I'm Brian Solomon. Thanks for joining us. It's our practice to roll through three segments in our time together. Our first segment is always entitled A View of the World, and that's where we talk about just things that we're seeing in culture and around us. And then we shift gears into your place in the world where we discuss what the Bible has to say about those things that we're seeing in the world. And then we'll wrap up our show with uh, with a segment called What in the World? And Brian, that's a, a potpourri basket full of just goodness. Uh, ju- we're just going to shoot the breeze and talk about what's been going on in our lives. But it's Absolutely. been a long summer break. It's good to be back together again. It is good to be back together again. And just speaking of that, we have a special guest with us today, and his name is Emmanuel Makolo. Emmanuel is a friend of ours from Kenya, actually. And uh, if you know anything about uh, Brian uh, Solomon and I, we are with a a mission agency and it is called Capital Ministries. And we work with political leaders and uh, uh, Emmanuel, I will call him Manu uh, for short. Um, He is uh, with Capital Ministries and he oversees our local government ministries on the entire continent of Africa. And uh, so Manu, it's good to have you with us today, brother. Yeah, thank you, Brian and Brian for having me on the show. Okay. Well, one of the things I'm most looking forward to is just hearing more of that accent as the uh, as the day goes on here. And brings a nice cultural flavor to the things great. that we're trying to accomplish here. It, it just feels well, I'll so try, nice. I'll try and bring in my American accent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know, uh, let, let's dive right into it here. So today's topic is going to be the topic of marriage. And, uh, and so... Uh, I was I was looking at this uh, yesterday. I was just reading through some uh, news articles, and one of the things that came out was um, this new generation, the younger generation. I'm not even sure what they're called now. Gen uh, Z is it Gen Z? Yep. Okay, so uh, w- one of the one of the interesting things that they are really coming out and and saying is why even get married? Uh, it's it's so it's so. Um, uh, obtrusive in our lives, you know. I I, w- I want to live my life and I want to live it to its fullest. I uh, I want to have fun. I want to enjoy. And this article is talking about. In fact, uh, uh, we'll put a link up to it here. But this one is uh, from Fox News. But um, it, this is talking about a gal who is 29 years old, and she's talking about how she wants to live her life. And she says this in in one of the paragraphs. She says. Without the shackles of marriage and children, she says, she is free to drink, go to Beyonce shows, sleep in, watch reality TV. She repeatedly hammers the point that she wouldn't be able to have such fun if she had to take care of a husband and children. And she goes on and on. And and basically what what, what, what they're saying is, listen, marriage, I mean, it's okay if, if you want to get married, but look at all the uh the the weight that comes with it and it gets in the way of my joy and what she's saying is her fulfillment right and so we we want to just talk about this a little bit today brian because it uh it as we look around we would say that almost everything that god says is good is just being hammered so we can go back now and for generations we can talk about abortion uh, and how how uh, 
uh, a segment of our uh, of our society culture is coming after children who are in the womb. This, this isn't meant to be a discussion of that, but then, but then um, that's going against the principles of God. And then we have things like homosexuality, which we would say fly in the face of the precepts of God. Then we would say transgenderism. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl or what, uh, whatever. You know, I don't know. I don't know how many um, uh, uh, things that they have out there now. It's not just male and female, but it's all these other things. But everything's flying in the face of God, and now they're coming after the inst- institution of marriage. And it's just where we find ourselves in our culture today, right? Yeah, and and it's not a new thing. Uh, every generation and in in every culture throughout human history, there's been an attempt to undermine, distort, mm-hmm. distract people from God's intention for how people are supposed to relate to God and supposed to relate to one another. And uh, but we can go all the way back to the beginning in Genesis and. And right from the beginning, uh, you see a, a, a figure show up in the Garden of Eden who uh, who seeks to divide the, the relationship uh, between Adam and Eve. And, uh, and in doing so, Eve steps out and violates God's uh, one rule that he had for them. And Adam, who was right there, just joined in with her. And so sin... Uh, entered into our human experience uh, there from the very beginning and has infected uh, humanity ever since. And the consequences of that infection uh, are uh, our brokenness, poverty, war, uh, just all of those sorts of things. But we're, we're today we're specifically talking about the maligning of marriage. It's not just a contemporary phenomenon. Uh, there has been an, uh, an attempt to undermine God's design and his uh uh, his view of marriage really since the very beginning. And so that takes us into your place in the world. And so we're asking uh, a handful of questions today, Brian, as it relates to marriage. And I think maybe we'll start with a general question of you know, what does the Bible say about marriage? Where do you want to dip your toe into that that uh, <laughs> that that pond, that pool? Well, so, and, and Manu, feel free to jump in on this uh, whenever you want. But okay. uh, l- like we had gone to first is uh, in, in Genesis. So, you know, um, we, we believe that the Bible is the inerrant inspired word of God, that it is all truth, right? So whenever there's a question, uh, especially about morality or, or something, there is a foundation that we can go to. And in this question, we see how marriage was instituted in, in its original um, form. So first, uh, after in, in Genesis 1, we see God created everything. Uh, so whether it's, you know, the, the, the earth, the universe, the stars, the planets, the, the birds, the, the sea creatures, the, the last of his creation uh, he, he saved that was kind of the pinnacle of creation, and he created man. And he created man in what? His own image. His image, mm-hmm. which is a distinguishment between all the other That's creation right. that he had done. Yeah. So mankind is now in his image. So so he gives Adam some authority of to do to do things right out of the gate, naming the animals and things. But Adam, he was looking for something too. Mm-hmm. That's right. And he was looking for some somebody that he could spend time with, somebody that that could um, benefit him. And at the end of the time, he's like, hey, I, I don't see anything here that benefits me, that, that is a companion to me, right? And, uh, and so uh, God notices this as well, and he says, okay, I'm, I'm going to make from you 
uh, Eve, and she is going to be your helper. And so uh, even as we were driving over here, we were talking about this word helper and, uh, and, and the, the tension here, and I think that that's a good word, uh, tension, is because male was meant for these certain categories, for these certain responsibilities that he was to do, he needed help in doing that. So God created a helper. That word seems to light a fire under, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, not just a certain segment, but yeah. a lot of segments in our society. Okay. But when we're talking about that word, let's do a little deeper dive yeah. there if we can, Brian. What, yeah. what does scripture say about this word? Yeah, so so we know that the Bible is uh, is written in a, in a uh, historically in, in a couple of original languages. So in the, in the Old Testament, it's Hebrew. In the New Testament, it's Greek and Aramaic. And, uh, and so we're talking about the Old Testament in Genesis. It was written in Hebrew, and that Hebrew word for helper uh, has, a, has a Greek um, uh, counterpart. Um, and that Greek counterpart word for helper is actually the Greek word parakalo, which is actually the word that Jesus chose to use uh, at, before his ascension, he's uh, he's already died on the cross. He's uh, was buried, rose from the grave three days later. Spent some time interacting with uh, some of his followers. Revealed himself post resurrection, and before he leaves uh, to go up into heaven, he tells the disciples, "Hey, I'm going to leave for you. I'm going to send for you a helper." Mm-hmm. But that helper uh, was Jesus's name for the Holy Spirit. That's right. So back in Genesis. Uh, God says it's not good for man to be alone, for I, I will create for him a helper. And so our culture says, well, helper, gee whiz, that, uh, that, that communicates uh, connotations of servant, uh, right. um, just, just the help. Put that in qu- finger quotations, just the help. Um, well, just the help from, God, from Jesus's point of view uh, meant the third, third person of the Trinity, yeah. And so that 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 is not a devaluing of help and that role of of helper, but more of that compliment and 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 filling the lack that men have inherently. And and so in in God's view, men need women and women need men. Yeah, yeah. that's an interesting way of bringing that definition. And I like to maybe to add because you've used the word helper. Uh, I'd like you to note it's helper, not helpers. Um. In Africa, not plural. Yeah, it's not plural. It's yeah, singular. That's right. So, so um, in Africa, we let me talk about Kenya because that's where I come from. Um, in our marriage act, we have uh, three forms of marriages. Um, number one is a traditional uh, African marriage. Number two, oh, okay, maybe four. We have also um, the Islamic uh, form of marriage, and then Hinduism, and then uh, the Christian marriage. Mm. Now, it's interesting to note that. Um, the, the first two that I mentioned, the African traditional marriage and the Islamic uh, marriage, are both polygamous. So which means that they allow multiple, uh, a man to have uh, many wives. Mm-hmm. I think Islam is to up to a maximum of five. Uh, but tra- but African traditional, you can have as many as you want, you know. And if you want to compete with Solomon in the Bible, uh, you're free to do so. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> so um, it's interesting that you have brought it that way because... It's important for Christians to know that we need to stick to the original intention of God of 
a helper. That's right. That is singular. Not 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 many many wives. Yeah. So I just thought I should just jump in and say that. Yeah, that's yeah. good. So so let, let's uh, let's take this to another question. So when we uh, when, when we look at the generation and what they're espousing today, where uh, especially a wife, uh, the woman, if she gets married to a husband, then all of a sudden she's just considered uh, a form of duty, like. She has to, it's her duty to prepare breakfast. It's her duty to prepare <laughs> supper. It's her duty to run the kids to soccer games yeah. and stuff, right? So, I mean, if, if we're going to look at the word helper and, and if we see, if, if what we're saying is, well, even the Holy Spirit is re- referred to being the helper, that's not a derogatory uh, right. position, right? Right. So then, then what does this, how does this play out in reality then yeah. when everybody's saying, well, I'm, I'm not going to be a, anybody's slave. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that there's a, there's been a, a cultural distortion of God's intention for the roles that husbands are to play in marriage and that wives are supposed to play in marriage. And this is uh, culture would, would look at this and say, you're, you're bringing to bear an, an old antiquated uh, worldview that is not good for humanity. It's just meant to keep people down and keep people from, from realizing real joy and happiness. Well, God God from the very beginning says that marriage is good. It's not good that man should be alone. That's right. But that a man should leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And so it's marriage is good as a baseline. Secondly, well, then how is it good in terms of how a man brings certain things to the table, a woman brings certain things to the table in terms of their roles, uh, that they're supposed to complement one another in. And so so the scriptures aren't silent on that either, Brian. And so uh, we can look at, you know, there's there's famous passages in Ephesians 5 right. that kind of outline some things. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think just real fast, I think that there's three L's that you could sum up a man's role inside of marriage. It, one, he's to be a lover, uh, loving in, in the way that Christ loved the church and, mm-hmm. and uh, gave himself for... Um, uh, for, for uh, people who would believe in him. So husbands are supposed to love their wives in that same way. Um, and, and they're supposed to initiate first love. So I think it's uh, there's a passage in first John, it says, and, and this is love that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm-hmm. And so husbands are supposed to show first love, most love initiate that they're to be pace setters there. Secondly, they're supposed to be uh, learners. Um, I think it's a p- passage in um, Philippians three-ish, somewhere in there. Husbands, uh, live with your wives in an understanding way that so that your prayers may not be hindered. That's true. And so your prayer life is at stake. So uh, that word understanding uh, means that I've got to be learning who my wife is. So uh, a good husband, a godly husband, has got to be a, a lover and a learner, but then also a, a leader. And you go back to that Ephesians 5 passage where he's, he's to uh, lead sacrificially, not dictatorially. And so, again, culture has hijacked what leadership uh, is supposed to look like. Leadership isn't uh, meant to be a dictatorship, but rather uh, in a John uh, 10, good shepherd sort of way that I'm leading by example. Uh, Jesus says, my sheep follow me because they know me and they trust me. Right. And so that, that's different uh, than our, what our culture says. So that's yeah. a, maybe roles for men. 
Brian rolls for a wife. Oh, I don't know how <laughs> rolls for a wife. I, I what, set you up what, for that you, one. You did. Uh, what, what I was going to say, for years I used the, uh, uh, it's not an acronym, but you just you just gave the three L's. I had one that had two L's and two P's of, of defining the, the role of a man. He's a, he's a, a, a leader, a lover, a provider, and protector. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so I know that we could probably go on with with uh, uh, un- unlimited list, but those are those are things of uh, of, of the responsibility of the men. Uh, you know, we, the the Bible's not silent where it comes to you know what what does it what does it look like for a woman uh, to to be a a good woman a, a good wife. And yeah. We go back to we often use uh, the Proverbs thirty one. Uh, yeah, the virtuous woman. woman. Yeah. yeah, and but but then we jump we jump ahead then to the New Testament too. When you while we can't leave the Old Testament out, the New Testament therefore has the Old Testament as a foundation. And it continues to lay the facts. So we do go and and, and we do look at uh, passages like mm-hmm. Ephesians chapter chapter five, where it does give the roles. And and again, I say that this is a tension because th- th- this has been a, a tension since the beginning. Of the fall. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so we're going yeah. back thousands of years here, right? Where where the sometimes the husband is is saying, "I don't want to lead. I can't lead. I don't He's know passive. how to lead." That's right. And and he is also not honoring what God has told him that he is supposed to That's do. That's right. Yes. But then on the other hand, we have the woman who has been given her role to to be the uh, to, to to be the helper. And she's like, I don't want to be a helper. I have God-given gifts and abilities. I can lead. I have thoughts. I have abilities. And so there's this constant tension. And and I love the fact that I, I think um, I would have to turn there, but it's e- it's either the the, la- the the end of the chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 or the beginning of chapter 7 in 1 Corinthians where it says, Wives, your body is not your own. Ooh, baby, if we were to just stop there, if the Bible were to just stop there, all hell would break loose, That's right. right? But he he follows that up to say, men, your bodies are not your own. That's right. And he's talking about the marriage bed there, and he's yeah. talking about sexual relations. And by the way, let's just stop here, and can we just have a moment of... Of clarity and just uh, to, to to talk about some some things that we just don't. It, it's like hidden. The Bible talks about sex. It does uh, a lot. And if you want to go into the Song of Solomon's, <laughs> uh, you can you can dive in deep. But you know, I, I I think as the church or as Christian as Christians, we often just rail on sex as it's evil, it's bad, stay away, don't do, you know, whatever. And and it's not that at all. It's a beautiful thing if it, it if it is in the the right time in the, the right place. The, it, exactly. If if it's in the if it's in the marriage and in the marriage bed. That's right. And if you do it before that or during that with other other uh, people, people, yeah, then it gets messy. Yeah. And uh, that's right. But that's true. Yeah, in, in, in the right way. And so, anyway. Um, uh, the, 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 this whole thing of uh, of First Corinthians six and seven. Listen, your body's not your own. Your body's not your own. You have sexual desires. Give him sexual desires. You have sexual desires. She says, 
then he, he, you know, he doesn't have the right to say, oh, I'm, no, I'm, I'm getting ready for my softball game tomorrow, whatever. <laughs> um, then, I'm going fishing. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So it, it's to it's to help each other to stay pure, to have those uh, desires satisfied. Yeah. Um, and that our eyes won't be so fast to look around. That's right. And uh, and our minds to to maneuver. Um, what do you think, Manu? Yeah. Uh, Maybe I just like to add, bring some context there also, um, in line of uh, what you're talking about the roles and everything. Mm-hmm. If you don't want the roles to be burdensome, then you have to understand why those different roles are there and why people need to do their roles for the marriage to work. Uh, because in the in the beginning, Adam calls the woman bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, mm-hmm. and then again in uh, Ephesians, um, the Bible says the two shall become one flesh. That's right. So. If you look at it that way, there's no, there should be no competition, and there should be nothing like saying that uh, this one is is domineering or something like that. But even mm-hmm. as as you say, the man as, is a leader. Uh, the the Bible goes ahead and says the man should nourish the wife and cherish the wife, just the same way that Christ does the church. Mm-hmm. So if you look at it in that context, then there'll be no there'll be no clash. There'll That's be no right. there's there's there'll be no t- tension, you know, between the two of them. Yeah, no, it's yeah. good. And I think, yeah. I think James talks about, he says, uh, James says, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Isn't it because you want something and you're not getting it? Yeah. And, and a lot of the tension, not just in the marriage relationship, but in other relationships, whether it's, uh, you know, in the workplace or at school or in your, in the community in politics, uh, what, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Mm-hmm. It's because you want your way and you're not getting it. That's right. And, uh, and so you could say then that fights and quarrels, uh, at its heart and at, at the start, begin with me selfishly wanting my way all the time. That's right. Yeah. And marriage and family and God's design means that I'm setting aside my agenda for the good of another. And paradoxically, that actually brings me fulfillment. The mm-hmm. world can't see that. The world can't see that that paradox existing. And so they're saying, hey, in order to get ahead in the business world, you got to step on the, the neck of others Make them look bad so that you can look better, yeah. uh, so that you can advance. Uh, inside of a marriage relationship, the idea of giving up my time for another, giving up my my uh, my desire to want to sleep in and scroll on TikTok and mm-hmm. and drink and stay up late, watch reality TV. Blah. These people are keeping me from what I am deeming now fulfilling. When it's not, it's not fulfilling at all. Um, they're, they're misunderstanding God's intent for marriage. So marriage yeah. is, uh, paradoxically, you gain fulfillment, the most fulfillment, when you're giving yourself away. Yeah. And and so maybe maybe we can wrap it up by saying this. What is marriage? Marriage is a picture. It is a picture of of uh, the the church is the bride of Christ. Uh, the the bride is the bride of the husband. As Christ submits to the Lord, so the church submits to Christ, so the woman submits to the man as the man submits to Christ, as Christ submits to to God the Father. It's it's a picture of the gospel and the Godhead. That's right. That's and, and that's why it was created. It. Yeah. 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 So so when we get away of the institution of marriage, we're also saying, yeah, I don't care so much for the Godhead either. I kind of want him out of the picture. 
Any uh, any last thoughts on this before we wrap this up? No, I think that that's uh, that was a good rambling, and hopefully our listeners followed us and our and our train of thought. And uh, in, in with you, hey, I I think that marriage is good, not just because I think it, but because God has said it. So, yeah. hey, let's uh, let's go into our final segment called "What in the World." Well, what in the world? So, um, so this is just kind of where uh, Brian and I, we just kind of uh, have, we, we lay out our thoughts as to what's going on either with our interests or in our own lives, yep. okay? So, um, and, and Manu, uh, you can jump in on this one too. So what's going on in your own life? So for me, uh, had the opportunity to do some travel for our ministry lately. I was down in Brazil on two different uh Two different cities. I was in Sao Paulo, and uh, we we launched a ministry there in with the uh, the political leaders, and also in San Luis, and uh, we launched a ministry there. And then I came home, and I have if you're if you're able to watch this wonderful podcast, you can see that I'm in a t-shirt and I have a, a sling on my arm. And uh, Brian, it's it's just one of those things that you have to bear when you're so strong. You just rip <laughs> muscles, and uh, so I tore my bicep and uh, had it repaired. And and uh, so that's why I'm looking like I am today. Uh, Manu, why are you in the United States? Well, um, I've come to visit friends and family. Yeah. And uh, when I say family, I don't mean my my immediate family, blood family. Yeah. But the family that God has put in my in my life. Uh, um, and apart from that, I'm also fundraising for the ministry in Kenya. And uh, when I'm when, when I've been here, I've really enjoyed my stay here. And some of the highlight, I think, I would say was. Uh, Every Tuesday morning, we would go for Bible studies um, in a place, um, uh, what's the name? It's a Studebaker Cafe or something. Oh, the Studebaker like that. Cafe, oh, yes. yes. Yeah. Every, every Tuesday morning, it's I think an that's in awesome, Springfield. Yes, in Springfield. Yeah. That's a beautiful, beautiful Bible study. Studebaker Cafe. Yes. Yeah, that has been the highlight of my stay here. Oh, yeah. That's the, great. the pastor there is amazing. Um, the way he, he, he dissects the word of God, it's just. It's always good to learn more about God. Oh, very good. Yeah. Very good. Well, in a yeah. far less spiritual way, one of the highlights <laughs> for me here recently is to be to, to be able to see the resurrection of my favorite college football team, uh, the University of Colorado, and uh, their new head coach, uh, Deion Sanders. Prime time. Prime time has, uh, has come to Boulder, and, uh, and, and all of a sudden, the epicenter of college football exists in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, what a crazy thought and a wild ride it's been for... University of Colorado football fans, uh, but but most of us are loving it and having Three a really and good time. Three and uh, a, a real big dog fight with uh, the the rival up north there in Colorado State University. Who was a good team? Is a very good team. Yeah, very well coached. And uh, uh, man, that rivalry is pretty intense. So uh, to be honest with you, the uh, when I lived in Colorado, we used to go to that that football game all the time. It's called the Mile High Showdown, and uh, you'd have Colorado against Colorado State University, and and a lot of times they would have that game at Mile High Stadium where the Broncos play, It'd be kind of a neutral site. And but it was crazy, and it was probably 1998 or 1999 was the last time I went to that game live, and the Colorado State fans rioted in the stands oh, really? <laughs> because of a couple of bad calls, oh, and it man. got so intense man. the police had to come and tear gas the crowd and uh and our tickets were right on the border between the colorado state fans and the colorado fans and let me tell you it was hot in the stands <laughs> and well, so my brother and i we bolted out of the stadium and <laughs> but it was good so hey life is good as a colorado fan i, I i'll uh-huh. tell you i watched that game i stayed up till like two o'clock in the morning but i'll, I'll tell you what uh Deion sanders 
you either really love them and you're growing to love them more or you really despise them and you're learning to despise them more. And that guy, man, he doesn't care. He's just putting it out there, you know? Yeah, I think it's great. And I would imagine you being from Colorado could speak to this better. And I don't know if we have time to do that or not, but uh, I would imagine some of the views that he's espousing are really causing people's hair to stand on end in Colorado. Yeah, it's unique. So he brings kind of an African-American spiritualism to the table uh, where Boulder has historically been not just a liberal city, but really, really liberal. Um, And so they, um, most of the people would probably align themselves politically with the progressive um, point of view. Uh, Dion brings a kind of a God-centered, God-consciousness to a, a, a pretty atheistic worldview there in Boulder, Colorado. And so as he speaks uh, about God and spiritual things and praying, God bless you. And all the, that, that kind of ruffles some feathers. So it's kind of an interesting clash of worldviews that we're seeing there on, uh, on the national stage. So, well, Hey, uh, probably there'll be more to talk about on this uh, over the weeks to come, but we're glad that you uh, joined in today and hope that you, uh, uh, benefited from our time just talking about marriage and what the Bible might have to say about it. Thanks for joining us on uh, this, uh, this view of the podcast, The Lens. We'll see you next time.